You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 32. Would you like a nice spot of tea? <laughs> that was terrible. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Well, hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in today, wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. If it's your first time listening, thanks for coming and checking the podcast out for sure. And if you're coming back for another episode, thanks for coming on back. Thank you so much to everybody who's left reviews on iTunes and Stitcher that helps out the ranking and the review so much. Helps other youth pastors and youth workers find the podcast. And uh, man, just super encouraging to me. If you haven't had a chance to do that yet and you're finding the podcast helpful, you can head to thelongerhall.com slash iTunes there and leave a review. And then, of course, over on Stitcher as well. Really, really helpful for me. If you could take a few minutes to do that, I would appreciate it. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at, at Jody Livingston. That's J-O-D-Y. And of course, over on the Facebook at The Longer Hall. All of the links and resources mentioned in today's episode, you can grab from the show notes page over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 032. That's thelongerhall.com slash episode 032. Great episode for you today. I'm really excited about uh, this one for sure. I uh, had to reschedule it a little. We talk, I think you'll hear in the interview that, but I lost my voice and uh, when this interview was supposed to, to go down originally, and so I had to reschedule it. And uh, Dave Martin, our guest today, was so kind and gracious to work with me a little on that. My voice is still not quite back to where it was. You, you may be able to hear that. I don't know. Uh, but Dave, uh, David is a great guy. He uh, works with I Am Second, which you are, if you are not familiar with, uh, produces uh, films, short films, um, using celebrities, whether that's a sports star, musicians, uh, and they just kind of share their story and the difference and impact that Christ has made in their life. He heads up their student section of that, and so we, we talk in the episode uh, about groups, student groups there, second groups that uh, are on campus, that meet on campus. Man, just a, a lot of wisdom here in regards to how do we get our students consistently sharing and talking about their faith and uh, particularly how do they do that we get them to do that with other students um, around them so really really good interview today you will um, really really appreciate it and get a lot out of it for sure again uh, all the links and stuff mentioned you can grab the snow the show notes page sorry uh, at the longerhall.com slash episode zero three. And with all that said, we'll jump in here to today's interview with the real David Martin. All right, well, hey, David, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for taking the time to come on to the podcast today and share a little bit. I appreciate it. I'm excited about our topic in particular. I think when we we talk about getting students in, uh, engaged in sharing the gospel with their friends and kind of equipping them to be able to have those conversations, man, that's what every youth pastor wants. And especially when we talk about doing that on campus, that's a, that's kind of like the holy grail, it seems, in, in most cases. So I'm excited to dive into that. Um, 
And so before we do that, though, why don't you take just a second, kind of give a little bit of your background, um, kind of what you do now there with I Am Second, how, how all that came about, and then we'll jump in from there. Yeah, so I got into youth ministry in 2004. Uh, prior to that, um, I was a full-time musician with my wife. We did that for about a decade and uh, put out a couple CDs and that sort of thing. But there was a turning point in 2002 um, where I had a near-death experience. And uh, that was, you know, there's a lot to that story, but that was kind of the turning point for me. Uh, I was 31 at the time and um, just went, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? And even more uh, substantial is the fact that I didn't know where I was going to go if I were to die. And I'm a pastor's kid. And so, you know, the fact that when you're in that moment, um, that's where the rubber really meets the road. Um, and just in terms of do I truly have a relationship with Christ or do I just know a lot about him and agree with the Bible, uh, agree with certain things and mentally assent is a whole different thing. And the way that I describe it, there's an eternity's difference between the two. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of that moment and spoiler alert, I lived. Um, but at the time, you know, it was, it was one of those things that I was just, um, faced with that I had to come to terms with. And that put me on a journey. Uh, the last thing that I ever thought I would do or really wanted to do was to be in ministry in any type whatsoever. Um, just because of my experience as a teenager and a kid growing up in the church, there's nothing shiny or cool about it. Like, oh, I can't, well, maybe someday, you know, I can get my own church. That, that sounds like, uh, a death sentence, at least at the time it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, God, God obviously had a plan. He got my attention and, uh, I wanted to be obedient. So for the first time in my life, I was like, okay, God, here I am. I'm a mess. I'm biblically illiterate. Um, I really don't even have a heart for teenagers. Uh, you know, on my resume, I'm a washed up musician with no college, but if you want to use me this way, then great, let's do it. So when I was 33, um, my very first Wednesday night, I'm looking into the faces of these 11 students going, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? But it's been the best, uh, it's been the best decade plus of my life. Um, God has done so much. And so, yeah, so youth ministry is in my blood, man. Yeah, I think that's so encouraging, though, like to hear. I, I talk to a lot of folks that come from that, you know, and it, I've got four kids. My, my oldest is in my youth ministry. And, man, I think our kids just see a different side of church and people and things and us, right? Yeah. And uh, And so there's such a fear, I think, for a lot of us that, man, I hope my kids just, I hope they get it. And... You know, we, we try to be so intentional, my wife and I, really sheltering to some extent, protecting our kids from some of those uglies of the church. But at the same time, like, I want my kids to love and appreciate the church for all of it, you know, for the good and the bad. And so to hear somebody who's kind of, I think just to hear the faithfulness of the Lord, that the pursuit of the Lord doesn't yeah. end in the end, you know, uh, man, he, he's going to, he's not going to give up on our kids, you know, and to see that. And it's so encouraging. Yeah. So how did you end up with I Am Second from that? So, yeah. So um, in 2012, uh, I met one of the directors for Yo Soy Segundo, which is the Spanish expression for I Am Second. And we just became buddies. And, you know, it's it's funny when I said it's been the best decade of my life. It's true. But I had felt stirring 
Um, and we use that word um, when to say there is a change coming. I just didn't know what. Um, <clears throat> but I was really struggling through that, fasting, praying, going, okay, God, what's next? Um, and I couldn't imagine the idea of leaving youth ministry. Um, but I knew that something was taking place and God was, you know, just kind of uprooting me a little bit. And I was sitting on my bed about 1030 at night talking to my wife and saying, man, I just don't know what this looks like. Um, and I get this text from Oscar Castillo, the director uh, at I Am Second. And he says, man, um, I don't want to freak you out. But, you know, every time we pray <laughs> about um, just really, you know, about how do we engage this, this demographic, these, how do we engage teenagers? Um, those who are far from God, your name keeps coming up. And so pray about it. Think about it. It's something that's just an idea at this point. There's really no strategy yet. Um, but if this is something you're into, let's talk. And yeah. it was right at the time I'm discussing this with my wife and I said, Hey, hon, look at the phone, look at this text. And, that kind of started the journey. So in 2013, uh, spring of 2013, man, I took the leap and uh, joined I Am Second um, to just kind of think through and put some structure behind what does it look like to empower a student to be able to live out this phrase, I Am Second? What does that really look like in their lives? And how can we really empower them to be able to take that message of what it means to be second uh, to those who feel uninvitable to church, those who uh, would never come to a youth group, you know, how do we empower those students to be able to take that beyond the walls of the church, which is really what I Am Second is about anyway. Um, it's not necessarily designed for church culture. It's designed to be able to reach people who are far from God in that middle space between church and our culture. Um, so yeah, so since 2013, that's what we've been working on, and this is where we're at today. So for those, that are, I'm, I think most of the listeners are probably somewhat familiar uh, with I Am Second, but there are certainly maybe some that aren't. So mm-hmm. just briefly, you know, what is, what is I am second? What if for those who are listening, who have no idea what, what we're talking about. I am second really is a media ministry. Um, and so we produce short films and it's very simple. Um, it's someone sitting in a white chair, just really opening up their story and explaining what their lives look like when they were living first and what their lives look like now that they're second and God is first. Um, and you know, there's real power in story and people sharing and kind of bearing their souls in an honest way, a transparent way that truly does translate. Um, and, and especially in our culture now, personal experience really trumps truth. And, you know, that's, that seems to be the gold standard of, um, you know, in conveying something that's real to you. Um, as opposed to just a set of beliefs, this is my personal experience. And so we've just really kind of harness that and present that for those, you know, who once again may not go to a church, may not even know Christians. Um, but as we engage culture through these channels to be able to put people's stories out there and let them do the heavy lifting, um, and allow it to resonate with the person that's watching, uh, our films. Yeah. And some of those stories are, are really unexpected. Like some of the people in those stories, you know, when I, when I scroll through and look at the videos, um, yeah, some you just wouldn't expect. And then just, it's amazing to me, uh, because a lot of these folks are celebrities mm-hmm. and how, but how honest that they will be in, in a short film, a short video like that about the impact that Christ has made in their life. Yeah. It's really about empowering the viewer to say yes and take one step. So if it is a Christian, 
um, you know, you look at it from a different lens and it reminds you of your faith and what God has done in your life. But it also kind of empowers the viewer to go, well, if they're honest, you know, about their struggles, their hurts, habits, hangups, issues, maybe I should be as well. And, you know, there's real power in someone going first uh, in that regard. Right. And it just kind of opens the floodgates to, to create a safe place and to empower others to say, this is where I've been and this is what I'm about and this is what I'm struggling with, but this is what God is also doing. Um, it, you, you just can't beat the power of a testimony. Yeah, that's so good. So when it comes to students then with I Am Second, particularly the campus ministry aspect, what does that look like from from like a youth pastor's perspective? Like if, if I'm wanting to help get my kids to engage on campus, and I Am Second is obviously a tool that's there to use, and, but you're doing groups that meet on campus, what does that look like and how would that start? Well, really, you got to back up a little bit. Um, and it's once again, it goes back to how do we empower a student to be able to share why they are second? Because that's where it really starts. Um, sometimes, you know, we just we have a tendency to tell our students to kind of jump the gun and just start a group, um, which is great. But really, how the whole, you know, sharing your story, sharing God's story, starting groups, which are really the three major elements of, of what we're doing for I Am Second students, um, really was informed by my failures as a youth pastor in equipping mm-hmm. my students and empowering them to be able to live this out on Monday is the way that I put it. Um, I, and, you know, I as I look back, I think that's one of the biggest failures of my youth ministry was... I'm a preacher. I can get students fired up about sharing Christ. You know, I can't tell you how many times I stood on a stage and said statements like, you know, when you see that kid sitting by themselves on the, you know, in the lunchroom by themselves, go over there and be the hands and the feet of Christ, you know, all that stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and you can get a foaming at the mouth going, yeah, I'm a world changer. I'm going to change my school and I'm doing all these things. And it comes from a great place. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying from my personal experience and you get them fired up. They go out on Monday. And the first attempt that they may make, they may get shot down. They may not know what to say. Um, and then all of these other elements come in. I don't know enough of the Bible. I feel ill-equipped. I'm just trying to live my own life and figure out what it means to be a Christian as a seventh grade boy wired on monster drink. You know, <laughs> it's like, so here's what happens, at least from my perspective, is that for me, I'm setting them up for failure if I don't put tools in their hands to where they can share from a real place. They have confidence in which they can do that. And then allowing the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting of, of leading someone else to an understanding of the gospel. Um, he invites us in to be a part of that. We don't have to go out and save anybody, but he allows us to be a part of his kingdom work so we can enjoy uh, the, just the benefit of being a part of his kingdom and reaching those who are lost. So with all that said, When a student goes to school and they go, you know what, my youth pastor said I need to do this, I want to do this, they take that first step. And if they get shot down or they're made fun of or they get asked a question about evolutionism or something, right, what we've done is we have set them up not only for failure, but then they begin to see themselves as I'm not a good Christian. I can't do this. And so at best... What a student will do is instead of sh- having the confidence to share Christ with their peers, they will simply invite their lost friends to church, which, you know, and that's a controversial thing to say. And I understand what, you know, how that comes across. But quite honestly, um, you know, the Great Commission has nothing 
involving inviting your friends, your lost friends to church and letting the professionals handle. No, and I'm so glad you said that because this is something that I press in a lot with, with youth pastors. And, you know, I know what you're saying because when I say it, they look at me like I'm a heretic, but it, and the, I phrased it like this once um, to a guy. I said, is it biblical to invite lost people to church? And he's, well, yeah, yeah, of course. So, okay. Can you give me an example? From scripture. Well, uh, uh, you know, you know, and yeah. again, what I'm saying in that is not that it's wrong, because I think the, the overarching message that we find is we're inviting people into our lives. And that, that certainly is an element of that. But when we, when our evangelism becomes inviting people to church, we've taken a passive position in that and, and we're no longer actively sharing. And that doesn't, talking about the gospel. And inviting people to church is not the same as sharing the gospel. Well, and it's and both elements are important. So, you know, here's the thing. I, we 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 gave the presentation of the gospel every single Sunday that we had youth group, every yeah, single Wednesday sure. night. And we have a responsibility as youth pastors to present the gospel because one of two things is going to be taking place. Either A, um, your students are always hearing it, so they're constantly being taught how to articulate the story of the gospel. Um, but obviously, students, I mean, we had a lot of students come to Christ in our youth group. Oh, absolutely. You know? And so we have a responsibility to do that. But the problem is this, is when they graduate, if we have not given them the tools to be able to do that themselves, we have created a generation who will continue to invite their lost friends to church. And we've really trained them to outsource evangelism to the professionals Yeah, and, and they're getting ripped off. And quite honestly, if someone doesn't want to come to an address, um, what do you do? Yep. Well, right? and, and don't miss, you know, don't misquote me or misunderstand me here. If you're listening, like I'm not saying don't tell your kids to invite or stop invite. I mean, we should be inviting lost people to be around believers and to be in church. I, I don't, my personal, I mean, I just feel like authentic worship and faithful preaching is attractive. I, I just, yeah. I just think it's attractive to non-believers. So I think there's an element of that. But I think when it when it switches to where that becomes the only method of our evangelism, that's where we run we run a day into danger there because we're not actively sharing that. And I think too, um, Dr. Alvin Reed was on a few episodes ago, and we were talking about how to get our students to share the gospel. And one of the things I, th- I think we talked about it in there in the interview. I think it was a part of that was, you know, I remember um, being, when I first became a Christian, I was pretty, I was sharing my faith pretty easily. I was excited about it. I was telling a lot of people about Jesus. And then I remember my youth pastor uh, taught me how, right? He, he, I learned the Romans road and, uh, and, and all of a sudden it was like this pastor fail. Like now I've got certain verses I have to memorize. I, I've got, a prayer that I've got to get right at the end. And if this person walks away or doesn't listen or doesn't become a Christian, then I've failed. And I think, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the Romans road, man, absolutely not. Or any other method for that matter. But I, what I love about what you're doing with I am second uh, it's in this realm is that I think the gospel is best shared in story and I think even from a New Testament pattern, we often see that's the gospel is shared in story. It's not a, it's not just a machine gun of Bible verses. But I can't separate what God is, has done and is doing in my life with the gospel that saved me, and and the gospel that can save the person that I'm talking to. 
And so being able to not only equip students to share their faith, but to do so using story, man, that is powerful. Yeah. That is powerful. It is powerful, and it is a way, and I think it's a very effective way to be able to share Christ uh, with those within your circle of influence. Um, but I also heard uh, a pastor say, you know what, I like the way that I share Christ better than the way that you're not. Um, so I think that you 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 find what you what you feel works, which matches your context, but enter into the conversation yeah. and and look for those opportunities. Um, and, and, and I'm with you and obviously invite your lost friends to church. My goodness. You know, you think about just the, how many have come to Christ because a hot girl invited a guy, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. That's uh, right. Church. I mean, how many pastors have that story, right? You know, this hot chick right. invited me to church. I'm not going to date you unless you come to youth group, you know? So, so God absolutely uses that. And that is a completely legitimate avenue to share Christ. And, and I'm not making the case for that. The point that I'm making, and I think you're making as well is that once our students leave the door of our youth room, there there needs to also be an equipping and an yeah. empowering of a, of a student to be able to share Christ with those that come across their path. Because that's, I think, called discipleship, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, which, uh, which I think was part of, was, was the main thrust of the, of the Great Commission. Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's, you know, equipping students to, to be able to live this out once, you know, they leave our youth group for the last time. They graduate, whatever that looks like. Um, we 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 have a responsibility from a biblical perspective to do our best to to feed them, to empower them, to live this out on their own, um, as opposed to just being connected to the system and um, they miss yeah. out. No, you're right. So, so I'm really passionate about that. And so to go back to you know when I came to I am second. Like I said, my failure as a youth pastor in doing that, I was like, okay, so it, within the I am second context, how can we help a student leverage that statement to where that can become a conversation, a natural conversation, as opposed to training students just to vomit the gospel on somebody? Right. Uh, or, or another way I've heard it is just to get the gospel off your chest. Well, I've done my part. I'm, a, you know, I'm good. Um, to where you have a meaningful conversation and, and really how it came about. And it's not an original model, um, but how it came about for me, I was about two weeks into being with I Am Second and we're still dreaming about what does this really look like? And I was sitting at a Mexican food restaurant. I had my I Am Second t-shirt on because I was so proud. And uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there and here's what happened. The waitress came to me and she had a pitcher of iced tea and she said, oh, I've seen that before. What is I Am Second? And what I did, man, is that as I rambled through the most uninspiring answer you could ever think. And I was like, well, we produce films. We have celebrities, sports stars, these types of people. They share their story. You can go to IamSecond.com. And who cares? Right. 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 I mean, really, that's not going to be life changing for anybody. And and I, I, I could tell she was glazing over. I was getting bored. I couldn't wait <laughs> to finish it. And, and she, I had like 40. I had a 45 second window, though. To yeah. say something, and that's what I said. She walked away, and you know that was it. And I sat there and I went, you know, this is how it really is. You know, sharing the gospel is inconvenient, um, and it happens in times where we're not prepared um, most of the time, or the way that we explain the gospel requires me to invite that waitress to go to Starbucks and for the next two and a half hours uh, articulate my testimony, articulate the gospel. That's not really practical. It happens. 
But how can, in those moments can we articulate what God has done in our lives to where it is transparent, it is real, and then if that person wants to engage further, then we open that up, you know? I don't yeah. think my wife would be really cool with me inviting the waitress to hang out at Starbucks with me. Yeah. Um, so in that moment, I, I could say something. And so that, that was kind of the, the springboard for us in going, how do we empower a student to share their story um, in a way that they can remember in a way that's real, honest, and uh, just quick? And so what we did is we just kind of narrowed it down to training students to pick three words that describes their life when they're living first. Pick three words that describes their life now that they're second and God is first. Um, so my second story, when someone sees a T-shirt, on, you know, I'm second T-shirt, I'm going through the airport. It's amazing how many opportunities in the airport. People say, hey, what is that? Or aren't you supposed to be first or whatever? Um, <laughs> is it second, first place loser? And, you know, I say, well, here's what it means to me. Instead of pitching a website, you know, I say, well, you know, when I was living first, I was addicted. I struggled with depression. I didn't know what my purpose was. Um, but now that I'm second and Christ is first, um, I'm no longer addicted. I have hope and I know what my purpose is. And I just followed up by asking the simple question, do you have a story like that? Yeah. And you know what? Good. It's crazy. I have not had one person go, oh, you're one of those. No, actually, what happens is, is there's certain words that will stick out because a well-told story invites the person into that story. And, and you begin to think, how would I feel? Or I can identify with that. So you, maybe you didn't hear depression, but you heard addiction. Yeah. So they go, well, what do you mean by addict? Were you a drug addict? And I said, no, I was a porn addict. Um, and I can kind of share that part of my story and about how God delivered me from that. Um, and so now we're having a real exchange, a real conversation at the pace that the person hearing your story is wanting to take it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously the goal is to build the bridge to God's story. And at that point, is, they're asking. They're asking the questions. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and so we, you know, you get into God's story. Well, what is, you know, what is the wages of sin? You know, it's death. What does that mean? What is it a gift? Why is it a gift from God? You know, who does it come through? Um, and so it's really just taking Romans 623 and your story and putting those two simple tools in a student's hand. So that way that seventh grade boy wired on monster drink, they've got that part nailed, right? Yeah. And, and so when those opportunities come up, they, uh, they work through it and they share and, Man, that's good. That's so good. So you're empowering, kind of equipping the student themselves. And then where do the groups play? So, yes. So, you know, once again, from a youth pastor's perspective, um, you know, we have our student leaders in our youth groups, um, students that are wanting to do something on their campuses. Um, And there's a lot of great organizations out there. But this is just another tool, another uh, facet to that or something a student could access and go, okay, you know what? I really identify with I am second. Great. So the curriculum is, uh, centered around opening up with the film and it's a, it's a little, it's a edited film. So it's kind of taking a thought as opposed to the entire story. Um, and then it opens up from there and it's just, it's split up into three thirds and it's, you know, so what, what truths, what do you agree with? What did you disagree with in the story that you just watched? Um, completely student led. Then there's a Bible passage that's loosely tied to the film. Um, and then it's application. You know, is there, you know, is there a sin to avoid? Is there a promise to keep? Is there, you know, it just walks through some very simple questions and the questions are the same every single week or every single session. Right. Um, and so the idea is, 
really accountability at the end. It's who can you share your second story with this week? Who would that be? And the student mm. identifies who that could be. Um, who can you share God's story with? Who can you share the Bible story you just learned today that we just read? In your own words, who could you share that with? And where is there not a second group on our school campus? The idea is not to see a second group blow up to 50 kids and students. The idea is that once you've reached around six to eight, it's time to break off and start another one. Where is there not? So the idea is multiplication. Right. It's very important. Um, and students being empowered to go and start a new one. And what the cool thing is, is that if you're in a second group, you are simultaneously being trained in how to start and lead one. Mm. Um, and it, this is a funny story that we just heard. Um, but there was a second group that started on the school campus and, uh, someone invited just one of the kids, you know, we're going to talk about spiritual things. You want to be a part of it? She's like, yeah. So a little bit about her. She's bisexual atheist, um, really spiritual though, but certainly wouldn't say Christ is her savior. Right. Well, She's in the second group and she's really engaging. She's showing up every single week. And the question is, where is there not a second group? She's like, well, you know what? I could take this to my friends and I could start a second group here. This is a non-Christian saying this. Right, right. Okay? She goes and starts, a, a non-Christian goes and starts a second group with her friends. And through the course of her leading her friends, she comes to know Christ and accepts Christ. And, you know, so it's, we, we consider everybody a potential trainer, whether they're a Christian or not, because... God does some, he, he does it in the way that he wants to, but that was just a, just a crazy story that just kind of the, the importance of multiplication, because what could happen normally is we would go, well, she's bisexual. She's an atheist. Clearly she's not qualified to, to lead a second group right. and she would have been marginalized and dismissed. Right. Um, and you're not qualified until you do these things first. Uh, that's controversial that I am second is controversial, but I really, I, I believe that there's something to that. Yeah. So, well, and I, I think we have a tendency to overlook those who need us most. You know? mm. And so, I mean, I spent, gosh, I spent 20 minutes Wednesday night before our youth worship, you know, talking with a girl who's been coming for quite some time and just, man, just a wreck. Life is, is just really dealing her some heavy blows right now and she has really no support. She only comes to our midweek thing because her parents don't come to church. They're actually, dad's an alcoholic in denial. Mm. You know, parents are splitting. She's got some abuse in the past that she's working through, dealing with a lot of depression, and anxiety, and just, you know, and I'm just sitting with this girl and uh, just an amazing girl who I've seen already God do so much in. And, you know, I'm just looking at her and, and, I, and I just said, look, I get it. You know, like, Every day is a fight for hope right now. I get that. And, you know, you're loved here. And you know that. That's why you keep coming. And uh, we care about you. And <coughs> I'm just going to hope for you until you can find it for yourself. And this is a girl who, you know, a year ago would not have been at our church at all. Yeah. But I think when we just pay attention to those around us and, and, and pursue those who need it the most, right? Our tendency is to go to the kid who's who's like the perfect youth group kid. He's everything you want, you know, or she's everything you want in a youth group kid. She's there all the time. She's doing her quiet time and her Bible study. You know, they're sharing testimonies. They're leading a praise band or whatever. And we need to invest in those kids, don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of times the kid in the back 
right? Or the kid who comes in with the headphones in and doesn't talk. Like, it's easy just to be like, oh, man, I don't even know where to start with that kid. Yeah. Like, how would I even begin a conversation with them? And and so we kind of freak ourselves out, and then we don't. We don't approach them. We marginalize that kid. And in the end, you know, nothing really comes of it. They just come and go. And that's, man, that's so, that's just, I, that's a huge thing for me, man. I, I see those kids and I just pursue them. Like, those are my favorite kids. They're the, hey, they're, here's the, the secret to that. They're the easiest ones to minister to. I, what I have found is that I call them my black t-shirt kids. Yeah. Um, cause, uh, there was a student ministry I led for three and a half years and we didn't set out to reach a particular type of student. Um, we just opened our doors and did our best. And I wound up over a period of 18 months having about 200 black t-shirt kids. Um, and that, that was, that's a whole nother story about what that looked like. But you know what I've found is the kid with the headphones on, the kid who's sitting over with his hair in his face in a corner, not wanting to engage. That, that whole bit is, it's an inch thick. That, that wall yeah. that is there. Um, the moment you look in their eyes and you're determined that no matter what and how they walk through the door, whether they talk to you or not is unimportant. I make it a point. We got to make it a point to say, Hey, man, I'm so glad you're here. Here's a high five. Hopefully you're having a good time. Um, and here's the thing over a period of time, they'll go, this person actually likes me. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why they're closed off and, and it comes normally from a place of pain or they don't want to be made fun of, or this is, this is their smoke screen to keep you from learning who they really are. Yeah. And, and I, I love those kids though, man. Uh, they're some of the favorites. I think some of the hardest students to minister to are our student leaders. Um, because quite honestly, most of my student leaders knew more about the Bible than I did. Yeah. And uh, well, they know they the was, answers, right? They know all the answers. And, and you know what? Don't get me wrong. That's what we want to lead our students towards. And so those those students are tremendously valuable. But to exclude one group for the other, obviously, is just bad yeah. ministry. That's where the danger comes. So, so OK, f- for the student or the student pastor, youth pastor listening says, man, this this is something I want to start or look at. What what are some steps that they need to take? Where can they how can they begin this? Where would they yeah. go to look? So a uh, couple, couple of different ways um, that they can access it. Uh, number one, uh, we just launched an IM Second app that we're, that's still in a beta testing phase right now. Um, but this, all of the, the group material, how to you know, develop your second story and how to be able to articulate God's story, that's going to be on the app and accessible for students. Um, but youth pastors can certainly take it as well. Um, they can email me. I can shoot them the PDFs if they just want to jump the gun and go for it. Um, I'd be happy to send that to them. We're going to be putting that up on the I Am Second website over the next couple of months. Um, one of the things that we do is we do a thing called the, uh, the I Am Second Weekend Experience. And that is similar to like a D Now type weekend. Um, you know, it's, it's your middle of the year retreat. And it's evangelistic. Um, it's for students, regardless of where they are in the spiritual spectrum. So it starts out as evangelistic, but the idea and the way that I uh, share it with youth pastors is that we want to put some tools in your hands and, and for your students to be able to capitalize on that momentum, the God high that takes place over these weekends on Monday. They've got tools in their hands to go for it, um, to be able to capitalize on the momentum. And so we resource the youth pastors to be able to take it for six weeks, 12 weeks, with I am second curriculum and within a small group setting 
um, to be able to lead their students through it, to be able to further the conversation, but simultaneously train them so they can start groups in their schools. And so the weekend experiences have been really valuable. Um, and it's been really cool uh, to be able to see and hear the stories that take place after those weekends. Um, so it's not just a bunch of pictures on Instagram and it was a great memory with a cool t-shirt that goes in a drawer. Um, but it kind of can be serve as a catalyst uh, to seeing your youth group yeah. really just explode. No, that's awesome. And yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can get to that as well. Um, as well as some, some of the other um, things, any, any thoughts like on what do you like mistakes that you see youth pastors? I know we talked a little bit off the front end of this, but you know, if for a young youth pastor, who's just kind of starting out, he's like, you know, fired up, wants his kids to go and, and get them. Are there some mistakes that you see made often? You know, I can only reference the mistakes that I made. And one of the, the biggest mistakes I ever made in that regard was I somehow had convinced myself when it comes to sharing Christ, I needed a microphone in my hand to do it. Mm. I'm naturally an introvert. Yeah. So I'm a trained extrovert. So quite honestly, the truth is, even to this day, as passionately as I'm talking about sharing Christ, it is a challenge for me to get myself out of my own world and engage people. Um, that will probably always be the case for me. Um, and I train on this stuff, and, and I understand the importance of it, but it's a daily battle for me. And as a youth pastor, I felt I was doing my part as a Christian in sharing Christ because I did it holding a microphone. And God, you know, used it in that way to be able to, a lot of kids came to know Christ in my youth ministries. But here's what happened. Uh, my direct report, uh, in 2011, we sat down together and he was doing one of these 360 reviews. If you're familiar with that, um, it's, it's one of the worst things that could happen to a youth pastor. <laughs> um, but he was going through and he was like, Hey, Dave. And, and to this point, he said, you know, clearly you're an evangelist. You got a heart for an evangelist uh, or for evangelism. He said, but how come I never hear any stories about you personally sharing Christ with people? Mm. And I was sitting there and I got to tell you, man, it, it hit my pride. And I didn't know if I wanted to kick him in the face or say that you're right. And he got he snagged me. And it was one of the best conversations I've ever had as a Christian, because what he exposed in me was that it was my job. I, I'm paid to share Christ, but I didn't personally hold it. Uh, on a level of importance or value in my personal life. I was the guy who pulled up in my driveway. I waved at the neighbor. I walked in my house. Yeah, and, and shut the garage door. I shut the garage door as quick as possible. And that's how I lived my life. And that started me on a personal journey going, you know what? There's there's an integrity gap in me personally sharing Christ. And the reason why I, I shared that part of the story to your question is that quite honestly, as as ministers, youth pastors, if we are not sharing and leading people to Christ in our personal lives, it, it, our youth ministries, the way I describe it, are like tofu. And they will take on the flavor of the youth pastor. And so you'll, we can create a culture within our youth ministries for either A, we promote something we don't live out, or B, we, um, we just allow that complacency to take place across our youth group. And so we've got a bunch of students that are professional youth group kids. Um, they do all the right things. But we really don't care about the lost. Yeah. Man, and we have yeah. really no interest in, in sharing Christ besides wearing a T-shirt. 
um, that's been, you know, we take a, a secular brand and make it into a Christian brand kind of t-shirts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's right. And, uh, so that's my take on it. So I would say one of the most detrimental, uh, mistakes a youth pastor can make speaking from personal experience is not holding this in great value in our personal walk with Christ. Man, um, that's so good. History. You know, I talked to a lot of youth pastors and, uh, and I, when I think through like some of the most like evangel evan evangelistic youth groups, like, I, and I don't mean like youth pastors or or student ministries that are necessarily as a whole reaching, but I mean youth groups that have kids who are reaching friends for Jesus, that are sharing their faith, that are like bold with the gospel. Um, in almost every case that I can think of, it's it's they are led by a youth pastor who personally places a priority of that in their life. Yeah, that's not. That, I mean, there. Of course, he's speaking from the stage about that, but on a personal level, what's coming out on stage is an overflow of his heart on a daily basis. And I think more and more youth pastors that I talk to are introverted, are naturally inclined to be that. And you know, it's okay. But man, there's some amazing youth. There's still this. There's still this stereotype of the youth pastor that you've got to be this amazing, goofy, crazy, extrovert kind of guy. That's out there, but most youth pastors that I meet that are not that you can't be that, but I, there are a lot of really effective youth pastors that are introverted who have just learned to to go outside their comfort zone, and that and our students reflect that as well. We've got students who are extroverts and introverts, so when we're up and we're sharing Jesus on a consistent basis, and not that we're telling those stories to brag or to be arrogant or to, but I think we need to communicate that you know, on a consistent basis, hey man, I was sharing Christ with this guy in Starbucks, or I was sharing Christ with this, you know, the guy at the burger joint, and, or when you're seeing people come to Christ, man, that, that makes, there's nothing more powerful than that for your students to see. Yeah. And, and if you can take them with you, or, or they're with you when you're doing that, is even better, because you're just doing life and bringing them along, even more impactful. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it trickles down from there. So, you know, once I got kicked in the teeth with that question, um, you know, one of the challenges to be fair to youth pastors is that, you know, if you're doing 50 hours a week at a church and you got a family, you got two kids, you know, you're trying to keep all these plates spinning and maintain margin in your life, um, which is tremendously important. Um, my challenge was is honestly, I didn't know any non-Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at least know them on a level to where I had a voice in their lives. Um, so that was the real challenge. And so, you know, it just started, okay, well, where are there hurting people? Where are there lost people? And kind of where I arrived was, well, within my own context, when was I hurting the most? Where was I hurting the most? When was I most scared? Um, and so that time for me, my mom, when I was a kid, had double breast cancer. She almost died. Um, it was a really, really dark season for my family. There was a church split and they tried to fire my dad during this time. And it was just, it was bad. But here's the thing. Um, I told my wife, I said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Starbucks at 530 in the morning. We're going to get a big jug of coffee, um, you know, with the cream and the cups and all that business. And I went to Methodist Hospital in San Antonio, uh, where my mom almost passed away and spent a lot of time there and went to sub level two waiting room. and just went, you know what, I'm just going to do my best to love people and allow God to create opportunities to share Christ if, if that happens. Yeah. Um, 
but it's a cup of coffee. And you know what's funny? I was so scared, man. Uh, this wasn't that many years ago. This was like 2011, okay? Um, or maybe even 2012. And, you know, I walked up to someone and just say, hey, you know, and I got Starbucks. It's better than the waiting room coffee. You want a cup? And inevitably, they would say, well, why are you doing this? And I would just say, listen, I, I know what it's like to sit in these chairs um, and have your loved one behind those, you know, those doors in the ER. Um, is there anything I can pray for you about? Can I pray for them right now? And that's a risky question to ask. Yeah, it is. You think it is. And, you know, the, the, what I learned is that we think everybody who doesn't know Christ, they've got their mind made up about them and that there's no changing it. People are spiritual people. And they're hungry and they're thirsty for something real. And they are hungry and thirsty for God. Yeah. And and to experience him in a personal way. Um, so I prayed with a lot of people. A couple of people I had a spiritual conversation with who I also invited to our church. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also in those moments, I actually was able to lead a couple people to Christ. Yeah. Unforced. Um, yeah. But it was me putting myself in a place where there's hurting people that potentially don't know Christ. Um, so... Yeah, you've got to be where the lost are. You know, if you want to go, if you want to catch fish, you you don't go to the desert. That doesn't work, right? You've got to go to where fish live. And Dude, so I'm if, tweeting that out. <laughs> if you, it's very sage-like. Yeah, look at that. I made that up as we go. Uh, but, you know, I think you're right, man. That's such a good thing because, uh, especially on staff as a church, your whole life is surrounded by Christians. Yeah. and uh, Or people who claim to be, at least. And, 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 and so... It's really important for us to get outside of our offices. It's really important to get out and, and just do life um, with people who are not believers. Well, and, and it does just as much for your faith as it does the person you're leading to Christ. When you lead someone to Christ, it reminds you there's a spiritual connection and a spark that takes place that reminds you, oh, yeah, this is what God did for me. And there is, there's such a joy that comes with sharing Christ with someone. Um, but the point that I was making with that is that I begin to challenge my leaders, um, mm. my, my small group leaders, my leaders and the adult leaders in my ministry to go, guys, listen, you can't tell your students that you're leading in small group, that they need to be sharing Christ when you're not doing it. And so it became really uh, one of the central values of our ministry that we actually held and created metrics around to measure. Not in, not in a legalistic sort of way, but to be able to hold one another accountable to live this out because it does, it does, uh, it adds substance and legitimacy to our ministries. Otherwise yeah. we're talking from an empty place, um, or being disingenuous. Um, that's hard to say that and, and consider that may be the case. Yeah. Well, I've written uh, on the blog about numbers, you know, why numbers don't matter and why numbers do matter. But the bottom line is if, if you don't measure something, it won't grow. And whether that's a character trait or something that you're trying to flesh out in your students or in your leaders or in your ministry, you've got to have some way to gauge that or you never really know when you're successful in that. And, man, you know, I'm thinking as you're talking, I think I talk to a lot of youth pastors who are burned out and tired. And, I, man, I get that. There are seasons of that. I quit once a week. Um, and then I go back to work the next day. Yeah, But I, I think... Um, I think when when I found myself in that place, one of the things personally that has helped me push beyond that more than anything is stepping outside of the context of my ministry and just ministering to people when it's not my job. Yeah. Whether it's like what you're saying, something simple like taking coffee to somebody or um, just encouraging and loving and sharing Jesus to people when I'm not being paid to do it. 
And that seems counter, you know, kind of intuitive. But I think what 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 it, what, I'm, what it reminds me of is that, man, our rest is found in Jesus and Jesus alone, not in naps or vacations or you know time off. Mm. I mean, we can do those things, but in the end, rest is really found in Christ. And when we step outside of even our typical role and we get into a place where we're ministering to others out of a gospel-centeredness, out of a passion to, to see Christ glorified and watching the gospel transform lives, man, there's not much more that, that will refuel and refresh and provide rest than that. Yep. That's so good. Man, that's yeah. so good. Well, I could talk about that for a long, long time, but maybe another episode, right? <laughs> Um, any resources you'd throw out? I mean, other than the I Am Second stuff, we'll put some links to all that in the show notes. Um, anything beyond that that you would throw out? You know, um, when I sit down with a youth pastor who's new, especially, um, he, you know, inevitably, yeah, what resources can I find? What would you recommend? How can I learn? And I, I mean, this is what I tell him. There's two books that you need in youth ministry. The first one is the Bible. That's typically helpful. Um, but the the other book that I would recommend is Doug Field's first two years in youth ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, I cannot begin to tell you how much that book helped shape my philosophy and the nuts and bolts and why you do what you do. Um, you know, I mean, this is a guy who's done a, who's been in youth ministries for 30 years. Um, I think a lot of him. Um, I actually learned how to preach. Uh, off of the sermons that I won at a youth specialties conference from him. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough things, but really that, that is a great book. And here's the thing. I, I read it probably in year eight or nine of youth ministry just to see if it still applied to me or if it still held up because it had been a long time since I had read it. You wouldn't believe just how true it still is. Yeah. Um, I really think that that's the gold standard for youth ministry books, man. I know there's a ton of great ones out there, and I can hear the youth pastors yelling at their phones right now saying, <laughs> he's wrong. No, what about this one and this one? I'm just saying, if, you know, for a guy starting out who's just going, where do I start? Yeah. Man, no, it's you can't great. beat that book, man. And I, I, I pimp that book every chance I get. No, so. it's a book I go to a lot. It's one of the go-tos. That that book I read a lot. I go back to a really old book by Duffy Robbins um, called The Ministry of Nurture. Mm. That's a that's a big one for me too, man. That was a life changer. Uh, that came out before your first two years in youth ministry. So um, I, I got your first two years after. Like you, I was in a pretty good ways. But uh, yeah, I recommend those all the time. That's a great resource for sure. Yeah. And if okay, if folks want to connect with you, What's the best way for them to get a hold of you, reach you? Um, you know, just social media. Uh, you know, direct message me, at tweet me, whatever. Um, yeah, social media is the easiest way to do that. Okay, and what? where would they find that? I am at Real David Martin. And I always feel like I have to explain that Twitter handle, handle. but with a guy like the name with a, who has a name like David Martin, uh, there's yeah. a billion of us. So that was the only one I could find. Uh, so there you go. You just tell him that there's this guy who was posing as me. And that's right. Know, yeah. I had yeah. to be this real guy. I, I know I'm tr- trying to get Twitter verified just so I don't have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, cool, man. And then I'm going to throw out this resource. And we were talking about this a little before we started the recording, but I lost my voice this week. It happens to me about twice a year. We actually had to reschedule this interview 
and it was gone, gone. And uh, somebody recommended to me this amazing magical tea called Throat Coat. And uh, holy cow, it has been the best thing ever. I don't know how I've made it this far and never, never known about this. And so I grabbed it at my local grocery store, like three bucks, whatever. You could drink six in one day, and I drank all six right before I taught. And uh, man, it was, it was not back to back. Like I didn't just put it in a jug throughout the day. <laughs> sorry, throughout the day over a couple of days. And uh, man, it's 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 great. It's fantastic. So I'll put a link for that too. Hey, what what he's saying is right. Jody is nailing it, man. I'm, we we both had a throat coat uh, exchange. Uh, we we're just like, yeah, man, this is great, great stuff. So yes. it's like the best best kept secret that I never knew about. So. I'll put a link for that in there, man. Hey, thanks for coming on today and sharing. I appreciate it very much. And again, we'll put all the links and stuff in the show notes. You can head over and grab those if you're listening. And for sure, check this out, man. This is a great resource for you and just a really, really powerful tool in in the arsenal for sure. So thanks, David. I appreciate it. Matt, listen, the honor was all mine. I love your podcast. Um, I love what you're doing for youth pastors. And um, yeah. So love what you do, and I'm thrilled and honored to be on it, man. So Well, cool, man. Well, if you're ever in Atlanta, swing by. Well, I'll take you to coffee, or, or we'll have tea together. We'll have, we'll have, we'll have tea. tea. We'll yeah. hold our pinkies out and, yeah, talk youth ministry. It'd be <laughs> great. Cute. All right, man. We'll catch you later. All right. There you have it. A great interview. I just love David. Love his heart for the gospel and for students. Just for uh, seeing the gospel really transform and change the lives of students and, and equipping not only students, but also youth pastors to be able to help their students accomplish that. Um, man, I just love and appreciate that so much about him. Just a really cool resource. I really do hope you'll check it out. Um, even if you're not really at a point where you would want to incorporate the groups at the schools or on campus, certainly any of the videos that they produce at I Am Second, you could use in a large group setting or in some of your small groups and just do your own, uh, not even necessarily need to uh, to go to the extent that we've talked about today. Um, either way, just a great resource to uh, take advantage of. Just a wealth of knowledge um, that David Martin, real David Martin there. We'll definitely have to have him back on the show again sometime soon. Just another reminder, all of the links that we mentioned there, you can find the show notes page at thelongerhall.com slash episode 032. So I'll have the links to all the I Am Second stuff that we mentioned there. The, uh, the book there, the first, your first two years in youth ministry that David recommended, as well as this amazing magical tea called Throat Coat that uh, I think every youth pastor should probably own stock in if you're anything like me. So thanks for hanging there with me and bearing with me. I know my voice isn't amazing, uh, kind of hanging on uh, today still, but man, just a great episode. Thank you for listening and for all you do. Thanks to all those again who have gone over and left reviews. If you've not done that yet, and you can take a few seconds to go and write and leave a review at iTunes. I would appreciate that so very much. And of course, if you're really enjoying the podcast and finding it helpful, share it with somebody else that you know. And uh, I would appreciate that very much. That'll wrap it up. That'll do it for this episode. And until next time, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.